Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's turn to God's Word tonight. Have your Bibles in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We're reading from verse 1 uh, through to verse 12. Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to read from verse 1 uh, through to verse 12. Amen. Let's just pray together. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity and the privilege to come and to gather around your Word tonight. Pray, Lord, that you would undertake and you would anoint us and speak to us afresh, Lord. Lord, we just again thank you, Lord, for Lord this great salvation, Lord. We thank you for saving each one in this room tonight. And we just pray, Lord, as we open your word, you would feed us afresh. We ask all these mercies, giving you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to read from verse 1. Amen. Seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain And when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Just turn back to verse 3. Uh, I want to pick up in this verse tonight. And it says, wonder could we read this verse together? Just that verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is known as the Beatitudes. That simply means the state of the utmost bliss. Uh, blessed can be interpreted as, oh, the bless, or it simply means to enlarge or the enlargement of the individual. In other words, we want to be enlarged by the Spirit of God, to know the spiritual blessings and the bliss that Christ has for us. You know, the Bible says that the blessing of the Lord, that it maketh rich and addeth no sorrow with it. That's God's blessing. God is a God that wants to bless His people. That's the very heart of God. He wants to bless us. And in these different uh, Beatitudes, as we look at them, picking up this first one, blessed are the poor in spirit. And again, I just want to break this down a wee bit if I could, but um, when we just mention something that's poor or someone that's poor, probably every one of us will get an image in our mind of what we would understand poverty to be or what it is to be poor. And uh, just sharing with Andy there, he was telling us about the wee house he was in and different things. The, uh, the utmost poverty and the, 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 that, that is all around us in that third world nation. And we understand uh, when we think of what it is to be poor, we often think of it, and rightly so, I'm not saying it's wrong, but in a natural sense or in a material sense or what a man possesses and that which is the temporal. And so to be poor or to be poverty stricken or to be impoverished or to be needy or needful or badly off or destitute, that's all those words that would bring us into that bracket of poor. We often think of that just simply as something in the material sense, but we know this goes beyond 
that which is the material, and that is the spiritual condition. The Bible, of course, is speaking here of the spiritual constitution of an individual, a spiritual condition that is poverty. And this is key, of course. We know right for our salvation, we've got to understand to be saved, we see our spiritual state, that we're needy, we're in people in need, we're broken, we're destitute, we're in poverty. And this is to recognize our need in a spiritual sense. You know, you can have all the money in the world, but you can be in a spiritual condition that you're broke. The Bible says, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world? He has the whole world, but spiritually in the eyes of God, he's completely bankrupt. And so we understand then that when we're speaking about these beatitudes, it's a spiritual condition. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And Christ was bringing these great truths to us. In Psalm 34 and verse 6, and we know this verse very well. We, we sung about it tonight. In Psalm 34 and verse 6, that one wonderful verse, it talks about a poor man. But this is the, the cry of someone who spiritually broke and it says in Psalm 34 and verse 6, if you want to read it with me together, I'm sure everyone knows it, but Psalm 34 and verse 6, we'll read it. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. God answers the cry of poor people spiritually. When the poor man cries, the Bible says the Lord hears him. Not only does he hear him, but praise the Lord, he delivers him from all his troubles. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. But theirs is the kingdom. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, Matthew, the gospel of Matthew mentions the kingdom of heaven. It's also known as the kingdom of God more than any other. And what he's saying is when he's speaking of the kingdom of heaven, there's a lot of people have different ideas about this, but I just believe he's speaking about the whole blessings of that kingdom which are in Christ Jesus. Matthew's gospel was primarily for the Jewish mind who were longing, waiting, holding on to the prophets that the Messiah would come. And what he's saying is, the Messiah has come, and he's come with the kingdom and all the blessings of that kingdom. And if you cry out unto him, when the poor man cries, this Lord will hear you, and he'll deliver you from all the trouble. But all the blessings of that kingdom are yours in Christ Jesus. What a truth it is when we were born again and saved here comes all the riches of glory in the person of Christ. Spiritual wealth is found in Christ himself. And we know there are, there are parables and there's wonderful scriptures to describe our, our translation from a place of spiritual brokenness or poverty into the riches in which are found in Christ Jesus. I want to pick up on a couple of it. Could. Luke chapter 15, again, we know the story well of the, the, the prodigal son or the lost son. But in Luke 15, we see this picture here of a man that was about to be translated from spiritual poverty to into the state of, of ecstasy, of the blessing of the Lord. And he's a lost son. He's a prodigal son. And he'd wasted everything. And he was broken. And he was at the end of himself. And he'd lost everything. And in a spiritual sense, that's what we are before we come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it tells us in verse 21 of Luke 15, when the son had come back, the son said unto the father, I have sinned against heaven, and in thy sight I am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servant, now here we see a wonderful, uh, the wonderful revelation 
of who we are in Christ and what Christ has done for us. Bring forth the best robe. You're about to be translated from spiritual poverty into the riches and the blessing of the Lord. Bring forth. Can I encourage everyone that's saved tonight? Every single one of us have received the best robe. We all have. Every one of us have received the best robe from our Father and put it on him, put a ring in his hands, shoes in his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this was, this, this, my son was dead and he's alive. He was lost and he's found and they began to be merry. We see in this a man going from spiritual bankruptcy into spiritual riches in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that robe, speaks of that robe of Christ that he puts upon us. In Isaiah 61, if you turn back in again, just following this this thought of from spiritual bankruptcy and ruin into the riches in Christ, Isaiah 61 and uh, verse 10, just going back into the book of Isaiah and 61 and verse 10, it says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. He's clothed us, praise God, with the garments of salvation tonight. You know, spiritually, we're clothed We're not naked. We're clothed in the garments of this great salvation. And he's covered me with his robe of righteousness. This is the best robe. And every believer in this room, and if you're not a believer, this is the the desire of the Father. And this is the desire of Jesus that he would clothe us tonight in this wonderful robe of righteousness with the garments of salvation. We know all this happened. And all this is because we can enter into this blessed state, into the kingdom and the blessings of the kingdom of heaven because it's all of what Jesus has done for us on the cross of Calvary. We, we just grasp this truth when we talks about blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And pray the Lord will help us just see it. But in Matthew 13, if you go over back into the gospel in Matthew chapter 13. Jesus wanted to bring to us the truths or the secrets of the kingdom or the great truths of the kingdom of heaven. And he brings it forth in Matthew chapter 13. Uh, We read there, just if you pick up in verse 11, how the Lord was going to bring the revelation of this. He answered, uh, Matthew 13 and 11, it says, he answered, And said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but unto them it is not. That's the Pharisees, the religious people couldn't see it, couldn't grasp it. He says, For whosoever hath to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. So Jesus was bringing out the truth here of the kingdom of heaven. To understand it, it's going to be put forth in simple parables. The great, the great revelation and the truth to understand. If you're wanting to know about this kingdom, you're wanting to know about the Lord, 
Read the parables. Just begin in those parables, the great stories that Christ told to bring forth an eternal meeting, these earthly stories. And so he says, dig into the parables and you'll find out the mysteries of this kingdom. Because the religious and great intellectuals that are trusting in their own effort aren't going to grasp this truth. And just later on down in the chapter then, he begins to bring forth the truth about this kingdom of heaven. In Matthew 13 and uh, verse 44, if you go down, the parables of the kingdom it's known as. And verse 44, he says, Again, the kingdom of heaven. Remember the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he says, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in the field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth and for joy. Therefore goeth and selleth all that he hath, and he buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchantman seeking goodly pearls. And when he had found the one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had, and he bought it. What's he speaking about? What's, what's these stories about? The man that, that, that there's treasure in the field, and that treasure's there, so he sells all that he had, and he buys the field because he wants the treasure. What is it about the man that wanted that pearl of great price? He was sick. What's he speaking of? The kingdom of heaven is all about Christ. Theirs is Christ and the riches of his glory. And so the hymn writer says, I found the pearl of greatest price. My heart does sing for joy. And so when we find and when we taste, when we know, then everything of this world becomes as nothing. And we do sing the song, I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. We'd rather have him than all the riches of this world because nothing compares to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we understand in this aspect of the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Theirs is Christ. And Christ is enough. He satisfies the longing of every heart. He meets every need. The riches of his glory are for the poor in spirit. And the Bible tells us in Philippians 2 and verse 6 how these riches are for us. And how it happened, what, what, how do we become the beneficiaries of the riches of his glory, the kingdom of heaven, of Christ, this pearl of great price. This is how we know it happened. Philippians 2 and 6. It says, who, I'll give you a minute to get there. Philippians 2 and verse 6. Philippians 2 and 6. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, made himself of no reputation. Now this, these are crucial words in understanding how we have become rich spiritually. Took upon him the form of a servant. He was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. How do we become rich? If you just turn over to 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, just keeping what we've just read there, Philippians 2, but 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 is a key verse for us to understand how we've become rich in Christ. 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. For ye know... The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, 
that ye through his poverty might be rich. You say amen. For, the, for ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to ask you a question. Though he was rich, when was he rich? When was the Lord rich? In the material sense, he certainly wasn't rich in this earth. There was no room in the inn. There was no money or very little money to offer a lamb for a sacrifice from his family. There was nowhere to lay his head for the tribute. They had no money. You had to command Peter to go to the lake and the fish that would come up, you'd find the coin in the fish's mouth. He was buried in a borrowed tomb, yet the Bible says he was rich. He was the king of glory. He was the king of glory. He was the eternal son, the almighty God. In the glory and in the riches of glory, he left the splendor of heaven and he became poor when he took upon himself the form of a servant. Just what we read there in Philippians. He became poor. He became just like you and I, yet without sin. He did all that that we might be rich. You know, you're wealthy tonight. You may not have a bean in the bank, but you're wealthy. You know that, don't you? You may, you may not drive a Rolls Royce. You may not have a, a, a huge mansion at the top of the hill. Most of us are, all of us are all just ordinary working class people. There's, we're not flushed with cash. But I want to tell you something. We're the wealthiest people in this planet. Why? It's nothing to do with our, our, our material possession. It's nothing to do with what we drive or, or the clothes that we wear. It's nothing to do with what's in our bank account. It's nothing to do with our social status. We are, in spiritual sense, we're billionaires. Why? Because we've found the pearl of greatest price, and his name's Jesus Christ. That's what makes us rich tonight, friends. He made himself the king of glory with all spiritual wealth. He made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. He became poor. Why? That we might be rich. And we have received the riches of his grace, of his mercy, the bounty of heaven. It's the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He maketh the beggar a priest and a king. What a saviour. We're rich tonight, folks. We're rich tonight. You know, when you get to the end of the week and you look at your paycheck and you don't know how you're going to make it, let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. We're rich. We're rich. We're wealthy. Because through his poverty, we have been made rich. The poor in spirit, and this is important, is not only necessary condition for salvation, but vital for the spiritual blessings of the kingdom in our lives every day. The Bible says in Philippians 4 and 19, again, you know this verse, but my God shall supply how much of our needs? All our needs according to what? His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. He will supply all our needs. He is all we need. He does satisfy. Every need he does supply. Jesus, he's all we need, isn't he? Are we still needy? 
Are we still needy? Do we need him? Remember last week at the beginning when he says, For without me you can do nothing. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Nothing. Without him we can do nothing. Are we needy? Riches and glory by Christ Jesus, brought to us by the blessed Holy Spirit, bringing us all the blessings of Christ into our life to sustain us and to meet every need. Every need. It says he'll supply all our needs, physically, mentally, emotionally, healing, deliverance. He supplies all our needs according to his riches and glory. He is all we need. But are we needy? Do we go to him? We're not spiritually self-sufficient. And the danger is that as Christians we become more self-sufficient. And what happens when we do? It stifles the flow of the riches of heaven that are brought to us by the Holy Ghost. Do we still need him? Brothers and sisters, who needs him tonight? Do we need the Lord? Does the church need him? We need him tonight. Not in the context of being spiritually bankrupt when we, were, when we needed salvation. But every day we need him. We need him every moment. We need him every second. The Bible says that we're kept by the power of God. We need him every moment. We need that power to live this life. His is the kingdom of heaven. The riches and the blessings and the privileges and the bounty and all the promises of that kingdom are in Christ Jesus and we need him. Spiritual bankruptcy comes and it came for Israel and it can sweep a nation. It can sweep a church. It can sweep a family. When? When does that happen? Jesus, sorry, the word of God tells us this in Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 13. And this is really important because we need him. We need the Lord. In Jeremiah 2 and verse 13. And this was concerning Israel. And this is when spiritual bankruptcy came or spiritual poverty came. Jeremiah 2 and verse 13. The prophet says, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. Who's that? That's Jesus Christ. He's the fountain of living waters. And they have hewed out or made for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. This brought spiritual ruin to Israel. They left the fountain. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. Are we still drinking at the fountain that shall never run dry? You see, here's, here's what brings spiritual ruin. Here's what brings spiritual bankruptcy. When there's self-sufficiency, self-sufficiency stifles the flow and the bounty and the riches of heaven but we need him. And Israel forsook the Lord. What happened? When they tried to do it themselves, when they started to make it out their own way, when they moved away from the centrality of he is everything, he is all that we need. When the church moves away from Christ as the head and Christ as our all in all, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be when he's the fount of living waters, but we seem to think that we can create our own way. What happens? Spiritual bankruptcy comes. Spiritual ruin. Spiritual poverty. And that's what happened to Israel. They forsook the Lord. Prophet said they committed two evils. They forsook him 
and they created their own way. Paul talks about it to Timothy, saying in 1 Timothy 1.19 of these men was put away concerning the faith. Nobody said it happened to them. It says that they have made shipwreck. They made shipwreck. When they turned away from the faith, they made shipwreck. Brothers and sisters, we know, and there's too many testimonies and stories all around us today of men and women when they turn away from the faith. What happens? It's shipwreck. It's spiritual ruin. We read it of the last church that certainly on the outward, we would say was a rich church, was a wealthy church in the material context. But when the Lord was standing at the door knocking, he said, you say you're rich. You say you're increased with goods. You say you don't need anything. And knowest not, look at this for spiritual bankruptcy. You're wretched. You're miserable. Jesus said you're poor, you're blind, and you're naked. Why? Because Christ was on the outside, not at the center of everything. That's spiritual bankruptcy. But the poor in spirit are people that need him. It's a condition of the heart. The Bible says in him we live and move and we have our being. In other words, we need him for absolutely everything. In Psalm 72, if you turn there and then we're going into Isaiah, but Psalm 72 and verse 12, Psalm 72 and 12, this is what it says about the needy. Psalm 72 and 12. And then over in Isaiah 41, Psalm 72 and 12. Do we still need him, brothers and sisters? For he shall deliver the needy when he cries, and the poor also, and him that hath no helper. He shall spare the poor and the needy, and shall save the souls of the needy. Can I ask you, are you needy? Do you need the Lord? Do you actually need him? All that thrills my soul is Jesus. He is more than life to me. Do we need him? He says, when the needy cry, and the poor also, and him that doesn't have anyone to help them, listen, he'll spur the poor and the needy, and he'll save the souls of the needy. God's looking for a people that need him. In Isaiah 41 and 17, it says, when the poor, Isaiah 41 and 17, when the poor and the needy seek water, and there is none, and their tongue feeleth for thirst. This is what it says. I, the Lord, will hear them. When you've come to a time where you're in such need, and it seems as though that you're so thirsty, you need an answer, you need a breakthrough, he says, I, the Lord, will hear them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. What does he do? I will open rivers and high places, fountains in the midst of valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. Who was this for? It was for the needy. Do you need him? Do you need the Lord? Has it become dry? Has it become a place of barrenness? He says, when the needy cry, I'm going to hear you. And I'm going to open the rivers in high places. It nearly seems, when we just close here, like a contradiction, but it's not. 
Because there's two things that we always must remember. We're not coming to him as a beggar. Praise the Lord. We're coming to him as a son. And that's important. When we came, you know, when that, when that prodigal was coming, he was lost. And when he came back, you know, this is my son. And it's important tonight that we understand that we come to him not as beggars. We, we can be needy, but we're not beggars. We're sons now. We're sons. And in that understanding as a son, and that includes every man and woman, Galatians 4 and 6 says, Because you are sons, because you are sons, born of the Spirit of God, Galatians 4 and 6 says, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your heart, whereby we cry, Abba, and we call Him Father. He is our Father tonight. God is our Father. And in that we can say with verse 7, Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but you are a son, and if a son, see if you're a son, and the Bible says we are, then we are an heir of God through Christ. In other words, all the blessings that are in Christ, we, they belong to us in Christ Jesus as sons. So I'm saying that because it's important. How do you differentiate between needy and a son and coming boldly to the throne of grace? Because it's really important that we do. In Hebrews 4 and 14, we're instructed how we're to approach our Father. We're, we're instructed how we're to approach the throne of grace. And yet we're to come, and it's not a contradiction, but we're to come humbly, but we're to come with boldness. And it's understanding the two, that we come as a son tonight. And so we have to come with faith in our hearts. But Hebrews 4 and 14, remembering our sonship, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Hebrews 4 and 14 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Verse 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy, and we might find grace to help in our time of need. Is there anyone in need? We come boldly. We're instructed to come boldly to the throne of grace. There you'll find mercy. There you'll find grace in the time of need. We have to have a faith to come to our Father tonight and say, Lord, we are in great need and we need an answer. We need a healing. We need a deliverance. We need a breakthrough. We have a financial need, whatever that need may be, but we come as sons tonight to the throne of grace to find help. But the other side of that that we must always keep is that sense where we're needy for the Lord because without Him we can do nothing. And that is very closely linked to this word, word being humble in our heart, the poor in spirit, it's humility. They will have the kingdom of heaven. In 1 Peter 5 and verse 5, if you turn over there, because that humility is crucial for us to receive. And we'll find it here in 1 Peter 5 and 5. 1 Peter 5 and 5 says, Give you a minute to get there. We're coming to an end in a few moments. 
1 Peter 5 and 5 says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. And then it says, remember we're talking about the robe and the garments, but here it instructs us to be clothed with humility. To be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud and giveth, what does he do? He gives grace to the humble. Remember, it's it's through the grace of God that we receive all the riches of this kingdom of heaven. And so in that we come, yes, boldly, but with humility that we need him. We aren't self-sufficient. We can't do it on our own. We can't make it a moment by ourselves. So we come in full reverence and submission to him because he'll resist the pride. But what does he do? I'll give grace to the humble. Verse 6 says, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. And then this is what it says. Look at this. Brother or sister that are burdened down tonight with much care, cast all your care upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. It's not this, you know, isn't it just lovely to know the Lord cares for you? The Lord cares. Get all your cares together. Get them all together and cast them all upon him. Come boldly. Come with faith. You must believe it. But come humbly. Come in need. But cast it all upon the Lord. Why? Because he cares for you. The source and the supply of every need is found in Jesus Christ. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Do you need him, friend? Do you need the Lord? Is that the condition that we come, a needy people? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. With faith and with boldness, but in need we need the Lord in these days. People, we need the Lord. We need the Lord in these days. We come with faith to that throne of grace. We'll find help in a time of need. But we come humbly before him saying, Lord, we need you. We need you. We need him, friend, don't we? Let's pray together tonight. We want to sing that wee chorus just as we bow before him.